0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Batflip Podcast, episode number seven. Uh, we got a jam-packed show today. Uh, we're going to go down kind of on the standings, but more talk about the playoff races. With uh, As of today, we have exactly one week until the playoffs seating is set. So by the time we talk to you guys next week, the seatings for the playoffs will be completely set, and we will have a full playoff breakdown next week. Uh, we got Ron retard retirement. We got some Justin Verlander injury news. Um, a franchise was sold this week, um, still pending approval, um, and our players of the week. Uh, but how are you doing, Matt?
1: I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I I've been dealing with some uh, dealing with some hurricane stuff around here. I was supposed to go down to the coast for a. a- you know, uh, having a house rented for a month while, you know, being back and forth from here in, in the coast, and it got devastated by the hurricane, so that was a little rough, but uh, how, how's it going in your way?
0: It's going good over here. You know, we're starting to finally clear up a little bit from the fires. Um, the air quality's starting to get a little bit better. Uh, you're, you're able to actually see where you're going now <laughs> uh, and breathe a little bit without your chest hurting, so, you know, it's, it, it's finally starting to clear up, which is, I can't thank people thankful enough for that
1: yeah and we don't we've been dealing with hurricanes so we haven't dealt with fires yeah. here
0: i don't know which one i would rather deal with
1: i don't i don't it's, know i mean it's, it's,
0: it's pick your poison there they're both terrible
1: the hurricanes you can just stay inside and not have to deal with it but the fires the smoke and stuff gets inside mm. so i bet that's i bet that's rough but, A little
0: bit, but anyways um you know wh- how, what has your opinion been about this this last week in baseball
1: Man, it's been, uh, it's been a good week. Um, you know, I, I've been, I've had a little bit of distraction from baseball this past week. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I've watched some games and I know that the, uh, you know, I've definitely watched my Braves a lot. They've been a little up and down, but, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun week, The NL playoff race is crazy and it's going to be even crazier this week. So I can't wait to get into that, but, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun week.
0: Yeah, it really has been, um, I kind of sat down more and, and just enjoyed more games um, just because this shortened season, like, kind of been put into perspective a little bit more. You know, like, we were lucky to get baseball, and even though it we've said it's a short 60-game season, it's actually felt a lot longer than just 60 games, um, so I'm very thankful for that because I was very afraid that these 60 games were just going to breeze right past yeah. us and It's gonna be over before it ever started in our minds, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because, like you said, it's it it feels like it's been a long season, but it feels so short at the same time. I mean, I feel like we were doing our first episode of the podcast, you know, just you know, just like last week, and it's, you know, we've been doing this for this is our our seventh official episode. We and we had a test episode we did eight weeks ago, and. It's uh that's that's kind of crazy. This season feels like in some ways like it's been crawling, but it feels like it's flown by at the same time. And uh, the fun thing about it is, like like I said, you know, when when the season started, that every team you can't look at it as you know the percentages and and stretching things out over like what they would be over a 162 game season. You're looking at everything as if it's a pennant race, and mm-hmm. with two months to go, and you are starting, you know, everyone's tied. Like that's, that's how that's how I felt like you had to look at it and um you know we're getting down to the last week and I mean you know if that's how it's felt and there's been some surprises some you know some great uh some great stories and there's been some uh some teams that you would just have totally expected I think if you look at the top three in the NL I think they were the teams that were totally expected to be in the top three in the NL except maybe the Cubs but uh you know the Cubs have been good for several years in a row now and you know i'm not i don't think they're a surprise to be up there but then you look at the next several teams and uh i don't think anybody would have ever even imagined the marlins would be in you know the fifth best team in the nl right now so um that's kind of uh it's kind of crazy but i mean it's also it's such a short season that a team could get hot like we talked about at the beginning and call up a couple prospects and um it's been it's been fun, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into this last week. It's going to be a crazy one for sure.
0: Yeah, it definitely is, it, especially in the National League, um, which we can jump in pretty much. The American League playoff uh, picture is it's pretty much set as far as teams go. Um, just they're all battling for pretty much seeding wise um, right now. Tampa Bay is the number one seed by only half a game. Um, they're 35 and 19 but they're still battling for that division with the Yankees. The Yankees are three and a half back, um, really hit their stride this last week going uh, nine and one. Yep. And the Yankees, I mean, if you look at their upcoming games that they have left, they, uh, it's not, we're not going to say it's a cakewalk, but it's probably one of the easier you winnable, schedules you're going to see. Games, yeah. Yeah. You got four against the blue Jays who they've done really well against this year. And then three against the Marlins.
1: Yeah. So, so the, the Yankees, uh, you know, I could see them definitely going like four and three against that schedule. Uh, their competition being the Rays, uh, they get the Mets and the Phillies. Now the the Rays do get Jacob Degrom in that Mets series, um, and then the Phillies, uh, you know, are obviously fighting for their lives in the postseason. So uh, I'm not sure if they get Nola uh, and and Wheeler, but uh, that that'll be uh, interesting. And the Yankees do have a three game lead, I believe, right now. So uh, three and a half game lead right now, so three the Yankees half. are probably uh, probably going to finish second that division to the Rays, but Man, uh, the, you know the way
0: it lines up really for the close. Phillies, the way the Phillies rotation lines up right now, Wheeler pitches tomorrow and Nola pitches Tuesday, so they would be ready for a Saturday Sunday.
1: Yeah, so so the Rays could definitely run into some trouble if, if wheeler and nola have really good starts and you know they have to face the grom so that's three games that you know they could potentially lose and then you know they could lose another game somewhere in there and then the again then the yankees could you know have another great week and could make it really close at the end but um i i would have to expect that the rays still win that division because of you know obviously a three and a half game lead with seven games to play is um, or six six games to play for the rays but you know, just a week left. That that's that's pretty. That's as close to insurmountable as you're gonna find. You know, most years. So yeah, it's borderline and insurmountable.
0: It, it looks like pretty much Toronto has that third place locked up in that division and a wild card spot. Yep. Yeah. So um, so
1: the wild card in the in the American League right now is um the before we get into we'll talk about the the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox battling for the AL Central as well here in a minute. But um the Cleveland Indians. Uh, and the Toronto Blue Jays both appear to be the wild card teams, the AL, uh, unless they—I don't think they can jump up and overtake the second place teams in their divisions, really necessarily. The, the Indians could, I think, are two and a half games behind the Twins, so they could maybe do it, but um, the, they're they're basically effectively locked in to the playoffs. All the American League teams are because. The next team behind them is the Mariners who are uh, four games behind the Blue Jays in the wild card. So the Indians and the Blue Jays are per- basically locked in and the Mariners pretty much have the same chances of catching the Astros in their division for second place as they do the, the Blue Jays. So I-, I could see a scenario where maybe the Blue Jays really struggle in this last week, you know, facing some- a couple pretty good teams but, um, yeah, I,
0: four against the Yankees.
1: Yeah. Four against the Yankees. I mean, I could see where they may, but I couldn't see the Mariners winning enough games to counteract that and surpass them. So, um, I, you know, it, it's possible, but it's unlikely, uh, that the Mariners could catch them and and the angels and the the, uh, Orioles are both, you know, the same boat, their records pretty much the same as the Mariners. So um, that's a bummer for those three teams, but um, especially for the angels, because, you know, they kind of expected to contend to a certain level this year, but I mean, the Mariners and the Orioles being in a rebuild, anything that happened this year was just a, you know, just the bonus. So.
0: Yeah. And so we'll jump down to that American league um, central battle where this is the closest division battle battle we have in the American League and that's between the White Sox and the Twins. Um the Twins are playing a game as we're talking right now. So they could pull within two games of the White yep. Sox. I don't it, know if they're leading right now or not. Last time I looked they were.
1: Yeah, last time I checked they were up 2 to nothing, but I'll check real quick. And um the but the, the big thing there is the the schedules and 4-0. the it's four nothing Indians. I, I mean, uh, Twins. So
0: Yeah, bottom of the eighth.
1: It, okay, I got them in the top of the ninth now. So that um, on the app, I don't know. I, I'm assuming the app just must have updated. But uh, the White yeah. Sox um, get the Indians and the Cubs this week, and the Twins. I actually believe I forgot to list the Twins on here, but um, either way, um, or the Twins, I seen I know they get Cincinnati. So uh, for the weekend, which depending on what pitchers they face, could be tough. Um,
0: they get the Tigers.
1: They Okay, they get the Tigers. So that could get interesting. The Indi- the White Sox play two, um, you know, two playoff teams, and the Indians and the Cubs, and the, uh, you know, the, the twin schedule is a little bit easier this week. So uh, that could definitely be, that's probably going to be the closest race at the end of the week when it comes to the divisions, because it's currently the closest race in, e- in either league. And um the White Sox gets tighter. It's and I think that one might be one that gets tighter. so um,
0: yeah.
1: so yeah, that, that'll be interesting.
0: It, it really is. I mean, Chicago just got Keiko back um, and had a, he had a good start but they played really well against the Reds this weekend. Um, they beat Trevor Bauer. Um, yeah so they're they're starting to get uh, they're starting to get healthy on the pitching side. Um, Roberts, Louis Robert has sort of hit the struggle bus a little lately. Um and Minnesota seems to be which seems to have got some energy from that Josh Donaldson ejection. I don't know if you saw that, but that was probably <laughs> yeah. my favorite thing I saw this week. He he there's a pitch where he feels he should have walked on and the umpire calls it a strike, and the next pitch he homers for like an absolute no doubt home run. <laughs> comes around the bases and as He's he gets to going. home plate, he just like <laughs> scrapes he his scrapes foot the across plate. It yeah and, like that was throws hilarious. throws dirt on the plate and the umpire ejects him so he turns around and comes and scrubs some more dirts on him <laughs> and tells him he's a joke
1: i, I absolutely love uh, josh donaldson i think he's i think he's uh. hilarious and i was really happy you
0: know
1: he, he he had the double the double for me he was a uh, an auburn guy he, he, he played baseball at auburn in the you know in the mid 2000s and uh then he played for the Braves last year so he, he is a he's a fun player i really, i like him a lot i like his, he's got a a fun personality he's, he seems like a yeah. good guy to have on your team he's entertaining yeah, he, so yeah
0: he brings a lot of like swagger but like in an aggressive way yeah it's like, it's it's awesome so it, it, he's fun to watch um yeah so the, pretty much we'll talk about the American League West is pretty much wrapped up um Houston is 6 games back and i think Oakland only has to win one game this week yep yeah to they do face three game series against la um but they're, they're gonna wrap that yeah, division they're, up. they're gonna either win way. one
1: game this week or, or the astros lose one game right
0: I mean, either way
1: um so so, so yeah the because astros would have to basically go undefeated this week and the a's lose every game that's just not gonna happen um, no so uh the a's definitely gonna lock that division up um the there is a little bit of the battle for the number one seed the number two seed the number three seed between the three divisions obviously the the central has two teams that could be there um and, and i guess the east still does too but um but both all three divisions I, you know i i think the a's might fall a little bit short with those games against the dodgers this week so um you know that that's gonna be really tough for them uh, to win to win all those games and Um, I would probably have to expect that the winner, uh, that the current, that the winner of the AL East, uh, gets the one seed right now. Uh, because if it's uh, because the Rays have the best record at the moment, and then, and they also that with the Yankees being there, if the Yankees were to pass them, I think it would be more because of the Yankees getting, you know, staying super hot than it would be because the Rays fall off. And I believe Stanton came back today or yesterday, didn't he?
0: Uh Stan's been back for a couple days.
1: Been back for a couple days? Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah. I saw that Stan was back, so uh
0: the Yankees uh, Judge healthier just came too. back.
1: Judge I knew Judge was coming back too, so um they're getting healthier and uh that's scary news for uh the AL in the playoffs, um, that if the Yankees get healthy. Now the Yankees pitching staff, uh Garrett Cole's been pitching a little bit better, but uh but the pitching staff injuries are still, you know, a pretty big deal. Um although they have another pitcher that uh, we'll be talking about a little bit later. That's had a really good week, um, but yeah. uh, start to turn it around some, but yeah, I, I think the, the AL is pretty much set other than just a uh, seating is kind of the main thing. And, um, right. So yeah,
0: let's go ahead and jump over to the NL East. Um, Atlanta's still got a three game lead on Miami. Um, they, like we said, they have a big four game series against each other coming yep. up this week. So that's going to be pretty much. That's going to be a defi- deciding factor because, Miami would have to win three or four or at least at least three or four or sweep Atlanta if they really want a chance um they can't split this series and go 500 and hope that the Braves are gonna get swept by the Red Sox over the weekend yeah um so especially with the Marlins playing the Yankees for the next three over the weekend yeah and you so, have to expect
1: that the Braves will win at least one game in that series against the Marlins this week probably yeah. at least two but um you know with the some of the pitching matchups and stuff and you know the Braves are Braves are still pretty hot right now so um, you know especially offensively um, the pitching staffs pitching staffs gotten better for the Braves too Kyle Wright put in his best career start today and um, I know Ian Anderson didn't have a great outing yesterday Kyle Wright pitched six and a third innings today gave up zero runs
0: I feel like we talked about uh, the exact same thing last week
1: yeah so uh, Kyle, (laughs) done good Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright looked great today. He he's he, he moved to the other end of the rubber, um of the pitching mound and has I I forgot if he moved from first base to third base side or from the third base side to the first base side, but either way it's enhanced his sinker and his curveball, and he's looked really, really good. I so, think
0: I um, I wanna say he moved to the third base side.
1: It, it's it's possible. Um but that's been a huge deal for the Braves. If Kyle Wright can get, can get, get right. No pun intended, Mm -hmm. but, um, (laughs) but he, he's looked, uh, if he's, he's got good stuff and obviously being a top five draft pick just a few years ago, um, Mm -hmm. he could be a guy that you look at as possibly being an anchor in the rotation rather than being a guy that you hope and pray turns it around someday (laughs) and becomes good. So, um, but yeah, and then, and then the Marlins, uh, the Marlins are, are I just briefly, we've talked about the Marlins some this year, but the, that's just an incredible story. I don't think they would have stayed up there in 162 game season. I think a no. lot of the Marlins is a product of having this short season, but at the same time, they've got a lot of guys on that team who are under underrated players or undervalued players guys like Starling Marte, who they traded for, but before Starla- before the trade deadline they had Jonathan VR, who is another guy mm-hmm. that's an undervalued they, they kind of basically replaced an undervalued, underrated guy with an undervalued, underrated guy. And then their well, uh Corey Dickerson's another guy, Jesus Aguilar. I mean
0: their rotation though too, like Alcantara, Pablo absolutely. Lopez, Sixto Sanchez, like they've stepped up this year and really been, you know, like we all knew that Alcantara or Pablo Lopez had good upside. Uh, yeah, at least um, had talent. Yep. At least had talent. They struggled at times last year, but they were rookies. That's kind of what you expected. Um, you know, we expected Sanchez to be good, but we had never seen him um, on a major league mound before. So for them to really come up and all provide the the uh, the uh, the impact that they have, and it's not a small impact. They've given a lot. Of a lot of innings, and uh, you know, to to that young pitching staff, they've covered a lot of innings, and, and they did it in a spectacular fashion. So they're three guys that really have to be shouted out this year to that have really pushed this Marlins team to be up here.
1: Absolutely, and and not to mention too that they've had some guys like, I mean, look at Lewis Brinson. This is a guy that pretty much people are starting to talk about as him being a scrub, like it being a complete total bust. You know, wasting the Ellis trade. Lewis Branson's sitting there and all of a sudden has a 760 OPS and plays mm-hmm. good defense in, in the outfield and center field. So you're talking about a guy that, you know, like I don't think too many people would have expected that, but it's obviously a guy that has some talent. And I mean, he, you know, it, it, Obviously, you've got your guy, you know Garrett Cooper has been pretty good this year. The DH has helped him a lot, and Brian Anderson's one of the most unheralded players in baseball, that's actually a pretty dang good player that nobody ever talks about just because the team he plays on, and he's been good for a few years. So, yep. um, you know, people talk have talked a little bit about Miguel Rojas this year, and you know, I think that might be a little bit more one of those flash in the pan type things. But the Marlins do have some legitimate, some legitimate players who, you know, are young. And give them a chance going forward or our veterans that they've you know acquired that other teams have kind of tossed away like, like like jesus aguilar that the brewers just kind of gave away and or Corey dickerson like marlins might have signed to a one-year deal or something and it's one of those things where they those players are pretty good and they might have had a bad year where they were at before but they've done really well in the past and you know they're doing good again this year so
0: or um, even jorge alvaro
1: like Jorge Alfaro. He, yeah. He was
0: in that JT Romuto trade which we've talked about for Sixto Sanchez. JT or uh Jorge Alfaro was just a throw-in in that deal. Oh because yeah. Because Philadelphia didn't, I mean they were getting JT Rumuto they didn't have anywhere that they wanted to put Alfaro. Yep. So they just and they were kind of just tired of waiting for him to develop, so they just tossed him all along. Yep. And he's developed pretty damn nicely in Miami. Yeah, he's
1: he's a very good he's a he's a very good uh he's a he's a very good defensive catcher. He's got a great arm and his bat is hit or miss right now. It's, it could be coming along, you know, he's shown some improvements at at times. Um, But uh, you start to look at that trade as being uh, heavily in favor of the Marlins with the way Sixto Sanchez has looked in his short career so far. So, I mean, that's a mid trade that real Muto is really good. And I don't, you know, I don't know where the Phillies would be at all if, if it wasn't for real Muto because, you know, you've got guys like, like Bryce Harper is a really good player still, but he's been a little inconsistent with the Phillies so far. Last year he was good. This year he's been really good. But, you know, he hasn't been like the 2015 MVP Harper in, with the Phillies. So, you know, and and Hoskins has been so inconsistent the last couple years. You know, after, after that fantastic rookie year, you know he he's been good this year he's he's turned it around for a while but he's been pretty you know hot or cold so you know real Muto offensively and def- defensively has been a very good uh, has been a very good stabilizing factor for the Phillies um, yeah. but you know the Marlins they sure they sure got a lot out of that deal and you know a guy like real Muto who's about to be a free agent you know with the Marlins financial situation. I don't think the Marlins are a team that would have been able to keep him around for for much longer. So, you're talking about a, they're
0: getting 6-to Sanchez for the next 6-7 years. No, oh, yeah, least. they definitely they definitely traded him at the at the height of his value. Absolutely. Um, and and I remember before that, before that losing off-season. him free agency. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I remember that offseason um LA wanted to trade for him and Miami was like, "We want Cody Bellinger and Julio Urías." And pretty much LA just hung up the phone as they should have. Yep. But for somebody to do that, knowing that you know Miami wasn't gonna be able to re-sign him, like we we've talked about it this last week. I mean, it looks a lot worse if Philadelphia doesn't re-sign him. They really need to. But uh, but Miami did get a very good haul for for JT Romito. And speaking Absolutely. of the Phillies, they are they are one game back of the Marlins right now. Yep. Um, so they could jump up into that. That second place in that division you know especially with the marlins having to face um they're having to face the yankees over the weekend while the phillies get the nationals and the rays and if the rays have the division locked up i mean they're fighting for playoff seeding but at this time there's not really much that that playoff seeding there's no real benefit to having the number one seed yeah out Um, of all
1: the out of all the playoff teams in the NL right now or the potential playoff teams the Marlins have by far the most difficult schedule playing four games in Atlanta and three games against the Yankees it, it's that's a very difficult schedule for them
0: yeah so, um, pretty much the the rest of that division doesn't have any shot um, they've all I mean the Mets have a very very long shot if but everything would have to go right um, the, they would have yeah. to pretty much just win out and then have everybody else lose out they have to jump over like Four different teams to get into the playoffs. It's just there's there's real no avenue that the Mets make the playoffs, and if they do, then you guys can all come back and call me a liar.
1: Yeah, the Mets. Looking at fan graphs right now, the Mets have a seven percent chance to make the postseason, which and and pretty much all that's related to the Marlins' remaining schedule, because the Mets are only two and a half games or three games behind the Phillies, so that's somewhat make upable in a week, but even though that would be very difficult to make up in a week. Uh, the only chance that they have to catch the Marlins would be to, for the Marlins to, you know, lose a lot of games this week, which, which is entirely possible that the Marlins lose a lot of games this week with, with their schedule. They will have to, they will have to salvage at least a couple games against Atlanta and one against the Yankees for them to make the playoffs. Um, so, and that's going to be difficult for them because I mean, they're playing a Mets team. I mean, a, a Yankees team, um, that is absolutely on fire right now, and a Braves team that, you know, it's a lot of pieces that are really playing well right now and is fighting for the division victory. So, um, you know, I, personally, I would like to see the Marlins make the postseason because I think it's a good story. And, you know, I like some of their young players they have. Um, I like a lot of their guys uh, other than Jose Urena, who likes to throw at hitters. Um, but I, you know, i i i'm really and the marlins do have an 86 percent playoff odds according to FanGraphs, which so i would expect them to still make it because you know even if the marlins do lose several uh, you know four or five games this week uh they would have to have somebody else um you know they didn't the phillies or the mets or somebody would have to win a, a lot as well so um but we'll see it'll be interesting um uh, the Phillies uh, speaking on that. Speaking of that, uh, they have the Nats for four and the Rays for three. So the Phillies have a fairly tough week. The Nats aren't very good, but you know some of that depends on pitching matchups for them, which um, I'm not sure if they get Scherzer and well, I think Scherzer might have pitched today actually. Uh,
0: let me let me look. Uh, look yeah,
1: quick. Scherzer Scherzer lost to the Marlins today. So the Phillies will miss Scherzer in that series, um, I, and I'm, that probably means they'll get
0: Corbin, Uh yeah, Annabelle, um,
1: Annabelle, Austin Voth, Eric Fede, and uh, then that's all for that series. So no, because um,
0: they face him for four, so they would get. No,
1: Corbin they, they don't. I was I was wrong about facing them for four. They they face him for three. Oh, the Nationals they? play the Mets over the week for four over the weekend um i got the i got the amount of games backwards okay. unless they play a double header which i don't think they had um so yeah i anyway. mean they miss that those pitching matchups are heavily in the phillies favor so uh but the rays are going to be tough to beat this weekend with the problem possibly with the division on the line so um so that'll be interesting to see and um you know the mets are the mets are still kind of there if the phillies struggle in the first couple games this week and um you know the mets could theoretically, maybe
0: get very there, unlikely. but
1: it's, it's very unlikely. Like I say, I mean, a, a 7% playoff odds for the Mets right now, so uh, yeah. we'll
0: ju- it's going to be tough. To, to talk about the Mets, we have to really jump down to the NL Central, um, where the Cubs pretty much have the division, I mean, yep. they're four games up, um, but the rest of this division is, it, it, I don't it, even know. It, it. it's, 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 it's a three, game.
1: so... Right now in this division, and I don't the, the the all the odds and stuff are crazy. It's a two. The the Cardinals currently have the second spot in the division by one game over the Brewers and the Reds, who are tied. The Reds have a one a they played two more games than the Brewers. The Brewers have played 52 games. The Reds have played 54 games. So. The schedules this week, they all play each other, too, which makes it even crazier, except for the Cardinals. Uh, well, they do it. So, so the Cardinals get the Royals for three and the Brewers for five with two doubleheaders. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brewers get the Reds for three and the Cardinals for five. So they play all their games against the, the other two teams in this race. Cincinnati gets the Brewers for three and the Twins for three. So they get a really tough opponent outside of the outside of the uh, cardinals that's also fighting for a division title so yeah this is going to be crazy uh, the brewers if it, it if all depends on if they're hot or not i mean yeah, if the if, brewers get hot then they could easily take control there because they get oh. five games against the team they're chasing in the division if and they, they get
0: just, yeah. if they can just pitch corbin burns for every single game yeah for real maybe we talked about as our player of the week last week and he's had another phenomenal week for real. um if if there's a team that I personally don't want LA to face, it's the Reds. Um yeah. That Reds rotation is so scary um, that I just I don't even want to have to deal with that. Even without Sunny
1: Gray, I mean.
0: Even without Sunny Gray, I mean, you still pitch Luis Castillo. Bauer. Luis Castillo.
1: Tyler Molly's had a pretty good year. Uh, you know,
0: they have another one too. Who's the other one?
1: They uh have Dees like a Lefani, big four. maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously, Sunny Gray up until he got injured. but
0: um, yeah, I thought they had four, though. Uh, oh, Miley's their other guy. Wade, who, yeah,
1: he Wade are, Miley.
0: He, are, he are always carves up L.A. Yeah, a well, right.
1: I don't know if i consider Wade Miley the guy that destroys everybody, but yeah. No, maybe he destroys L.A. LA. <laughs> he
0: destroys L.A. that division is going to be an, a fascinating thing to watch over this last week. I'm excited yeah, absolutely. for it. It's um, going to be a just, crazy one. Just being able to watch, you know, those, that especially the Brewers and the Cardinals having those five over the weekend. Um, that means the doubleheader must be Saturday, either Friday or Saturday. Well, they
1: have two doubleheaders in there. Do they? Yes, because they have oh, five games. so it's got to be
0: Friday and Saturday.
1: Yeah, five games in three days, I believe. So, um, so yeah, Friday, Friday and Saturday, doubleheaders, and then Sunday, one game. Wow. Um, yeah, so that that that's crazy. I mean, and the, the, you know, those seven inning those are seven inning games too. Obviously, with the rule changes this year, so um, which might make them even crazier. Um, but uh, you know, after that too, you know, we'll talk about the NL West in a second, which is really not too much of a contest at, at the top. The Dodgers have a four game lead over the Padres, who. Are very very far ahead of the next team, being the Giants. So the Dodgers and the Padres are both clinched uh, playoff berths as of to- as of today. And the Dodgers, I think you said they were, they're very close to clinching the division too. Two,
0: two games,
1: so it's only um, two. Yeah, to magic face, number
0: of two Yeah, and they face Oakland and then the Angels yeah, over the so, weekend.
1: Yeah, so they'll in the same way that Oakland will clinch their division. There's just it's just too far away. I mean, four games, but uh um, but the padres are gonna are pretty much the, the, the top two are pretty much locked up but the giants are still only one game or are, are, are tied with the cardinals and the cincinnati reds right now the i mean the, sorry the, the brewers and the reds the cardinals are ahead yeah so the brewers and the reds are tied with the giants
0: so and they get the rockies for four and the Is padres right? for
1: four pa- rockies for four and padres for four they have a
0: double letter so, in there
1: Yes, so they have pretty tough schedules. Um, They have a pretty tough schedule as well. Um, Yeah, they still have to play. They've only played 52 games, so they have to play eight more. Um, So the playoff odds from Fangraphs right now have the Giants with a 43% chance to make the postseason, the Reds with a 51.7% chance, the Brewers with a 58.9% chance. Um, So there's pretty much three teams for the wild card with or or three teams for the second wild card with all with you know and then the brewers and the reds also having a shot at the cardinals in the nl central so it's four teams for three spots pretty much um you know two of those spots being for the central teams then the giants with that opportunity to be in the wild card so um that's uh that's gonna be pretty crazy. Um, I've, I
0: think it's uh <laughs> I don't quite see in San Francisco being able to pull that one out. But I don't they think do. they will.
1: But, well, the, the thing is that the you know with the Reds and the Brewers and the and the Cardinals all playing so many games against each other, uh, you know the Dodgers if they split with the if they're somehow split with the Padres who have already locked up their spot in the postseason and maybe resting players and uh, you know the, and then they play the Rockies who are pretty much, you know, three games back of the wild card. So they're pretty much out of it with all those teams being ahead of them. I mean, you could definitely see that, you know, the Giants could have a pretty good record this week just because of teams resting or playing a team that's kind of out of it. So, um, although I, I do think that straight up, uh, the you know, I, I don't think the Rocky, the Giants are better than the Brewers or the Reds. That still could be something it, it, it's, it's just, it's going to be super, super competitive and that central division and the giants kind of in a way control their own destiny being able to not play in teams that they're fighting against, you know, if they win and they take care of business and win five or six games this week out of their eight, you know, they could possibly have a chance to be there. So, uh, but if they lose, you know, five games or something this week out of their eight, then they have no chance really. So, right. um, you know, say I, I, and, and the Giants are another team kind of like not quite as much as so as the Marlins but kind of like the Marlins that are, it's very surprising to see them up there so um
0: yeah they wouldn't have held up in a uh a full 162 I, game season I agree 100 percent with
1: you so um so yeah but well, it's it's a crazy crazy finish there and um in the NL and I won't even yeah. begin to make a prediction on who will be there.
0: I mean, it's no, I can't even uh, either. It, you know, it's just like... gonna have to be something that you guys have to tune in next week for and hear oh, yeah. our uh, our reactions to the entire week of what happened. Yeah, um, it's gonna be a crazy one. It's gonna be insane on those those runs or those uh those matchups to watch. Well, let's jump over to a retirement we had, which was very sudden. Um, it happened all of a sudden yesterday. Just out of the blue, Ron Gardenhire, who is a manager for the Detroit Tigers, but is more known as the manager of the Minnesota Twins, he managed them for 13 years. Um, he's done Detroit for the last three. Um, in Minnesota, where where he's very much known for, he had a over 500 record, uh, 507, um, 1068 1, wins to 1039 losses. Um, I think we said six postseason trips is what he did. Yeah, six six postseason appearances. Um that's where I'd known him for. He he a lot of talent with the Justin Morneau, Joe Mauer, Joe Nathan, um, Johan Santana. Oh yeah um, Francisco Muriano for a year. <laughs> Muriano, yeah. I mean he was a Tory Hunter. He was he was the manager for them. Um never really with him always being in the AL Central, he never faced um, the Dodgers, much so I never got to see him manage moat a lot of games. But he was always somebody that was always, whenever you watched his interviews, it was real genuine, um, you know, always down to earth, always took the time to make sure that everybody got to answer all their questions. Um, and just seeing the outpouring of support from the reporters and people, uh, former players that played with him or former coaches that coached on his staffs, um, you know, he was always very well respected. Uh, he had to do this at the age of 62 because of some health issues that his uh, his doctor pretty much said, especially with this pandemic going on. Um, there's just a lot more stress that his body couldn't couldn't take anymore. So yep. he had to he had to retire immediately. Couldn't even finish out the week um, this next week uh, to finish the season, but. You know he he's gonna look be looked back on for these years. You know he was part of Minnesota's rebuild for the first four seasons. Or the last last four or yeah. the last well the first four of their rebuild. Um.
1: Right right right. I thought it was the last his last four years there were for yeah. that rebuild. But. Um, and then
0: the uh and then three of the years with the Tigers. I mean, you know you look back. At and he rebuild. had a 47 and 114 re- record last year where they're, you know, fully on a rebuild. They only played 161 games last year. They didn't even get a full the full Season, but he's his record's not going to show the type of manager that he really was. Um, so I really wanted to make it a point to talk about him today, and just just give a give our shout out to Ron Gardenhire for being a fantastic manager for what 16 years in the majors. um yeah, we found a, we found an amazing stat. He he is. Tie or he's sixth all-time in manager ejections with 84, <laughs> which we we didn't think that was that high up, but once we looked it up, well, that was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, and you know we we're looking at some of the names on the list, and you know it, it's funny most of them are or about half of them are Hall of Famers, and then of course like Bruce Bochi is probably a you know probably going to be a future Hall of Famer, so you know just having retired a year ago, but the I mean, Bobby Cox is all all-time leader with an Almost unbelievable, 161 ejections. Uh, but uh, Tony Larusa, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Bobby Cox, he might have managed for he managed for a lot of years, but he took a year off from the ejections. So, uh, yeah. uh, But you know, on you know, the unlet list. And, you know, he's right behind. He was only two behind Tony Larusa, who was uh, fifth all time. You know, tied for third at. Everybody above him on the list was a Hall of Fame manager as well. So uh, that
0: says uh, a lot
1: yeah it does say a lot and, uh, you know it, it's a lot of uh, you know a lot of names on there that you know were kind of funny uh, Bruce Bochy I was surprised to see was on that list being so high um, uh, Charlie Manuel, Clint Hurdle and John Gibbons were tied for 15th on the list who and of course that's weird John Gibbons what you know he was managed for a long time but he wasn't around that long uh, so i thought that was that was pretty funny that he was on there but you know i always remember john gibbons as being the manager with a pretty hot head so yeah. um, i absolutely love it that's a part of the game that we're starting to lose a little bit of too one of those things where you know that's kind of part of the game that we don't want to lose you know we we're, we do we like to see some of the new new age stuff of course uh but the manager ejections were always something that was really fun where the manager come out and argue and You know, have all the moments like you know the famous Lou Pinella kicking dirt on the umpire, or Lloyd McClendon stealing the bases and running off the field with them, or the Braves minor league manager that was throwing the Rawson bag as a hand grenade and all this stuff.
0: So (laughs) so fun fact, because you uh, you mentioned Lloyd McClendon, he's actually the one that is taking over for Ron Gardenhire as manager of the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. So Lloyd McClendon was, I believe, he was the bench coach to Ron Gardenhire. So uh, he has, uh, he's taken over as manager for the last uh, week of the season, and Detroit has already came out and said that they will give him a full, full shot at becoming the full-time manager next year. So that's that's pretty nice. He got a rough, a rough go at it when he was in Seattle as a manager. Yeah. Um, it's so, so hard to, it's so hard
1: to manage a team that
0: is it's, rebuilding
1: is rebuilding because th- no matter what you do it, it's more so in baseball than any other sport no matter what you do your record is going to be abysmal it's one of those things mm-hmm. where like you know you talk about you know ron garden hire in his career has an under 500 record but when you look at the teams that he was managing you know he had that 47 and 114 year last year and he had a, a 64 and 98 year with the Tigers. so those are both a had those teams had abysmal talent on them and with yeah. the twins i mean it's last few years the twins had just had zero talent but this is a guy whose teams won a lot of games so it's as much about being a it's as much about being a, a manager as a um it, it's as much about being a manager as what you do is how you are able to deal with people and how you're able to do with with a fully um you know, with a fully stacked team, um, you know, it, obviously Ron Garden is in some pretty famous games back in, you know, his time too, you know, there was the wild, there was the uh, playoff against the one game playoff against the uh, Tigers, that, that famous game where they were uh, chip carry couldn't figure out what a fly ball was, um, uh, fl- <laughs> a fly out was, and yeah. then they had the, you know, uh, the, the single up the middle that scored the winning run, won the division for them in the extra innings and, um i mean just the crazy um that was that was that was one of the craziest games of all time that, that was actually 2009 uh when they played one six, game one sixty. they also played the game 163 in, in 2008 as well um but uh which they they lost that season um but it's um you know it, it sucks to see a guy like him you know go down from 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 you know illness and you know, being in bad health and you hope to see him be able to, you know, recover once he gets out of, you know, being in an everyday role and, and hopefully he's around the game still, you know, yeah, a lot of guys, what I was say. a lot of guys will end up being advisors or something at, at, after they, after they retire, you know, so, uh, you know, it's a little bit alarming that he, you know, retired effective immediately instead of waiting till the end of the year. Um, I'm sure, um, that came as a surprise to some people Uh, you know in in his organization and maybe on his team and stuff but um you never mess with health issues so if it's it's a severe health issue like it sounds like then you know that's that sucks to sucks to hear um and you know we wish him nothing but the
0: best yeah for sure one of the most respected managers that i have ever you know just like I said, the the outpouring of support you've seen from around the league has just been amazing for him. So, yep. big shout out to Ron Gardenhire. Well, let's jump over to um, some injury news, which we've talked about this before, um, and it's it was officially announced yesterday. Um, Justin Verlander is announced on his own Instagram page that he will have to undergo Tommy John surgery. Yep. And Tommy John surgery is a very big deal for anybody. Um, let alone yep. a guy who is almost 38 years old. Yeah. Um, he, this, the recovery time period on us on, on a standard surgery for anybody in, in good health. And, and Verlander is in very good health uh, when you yeah. get up. But for somebody at age 38, almost your, your body just slows down your, your time of healing. Um, so, a normal timetable is anywhere from 12 to 18 months, and that's to get back to on the mound and in game situations. Yeah. Um, that's not including anything that might happen with um, setbacks or second surgeries, which we see a lot of the time has to actually happen. Um, but even after you come back to a full season, it takes you another year to get back to your old self. So, if you're talking about Verlander, who's already going to be, I mean, he's 37. Gotta be 38 in the middle of the off season. Um, by the time he has the surgery, comes back and really gets back to like what Justin Verlander is, um, he's gonna be pushing age 40. Um, which, if there's a guy who can do it, it would I wouldn't put it past Justin yeah. Verlander. I mean, he's been a freak it's... for returning from injuries before, but this is this is something that we were talking in our group chat with a bunch of our buddies that you know it we could have seen the last of what justin verlander really was
1: yeah and and you know i have to think this is probably the end of you know justin verlander as a you know I, I, he might come back in some form but um, and i would love to see him come back strong stronger than ever but um, this is a guy who I mean, if he's thirty-seven years old, he'll be thirty-eight at the start of next year, and he'll miss the entire season. He'll he won't he'll be forty, you know, when he comes, or he'll be thirty-nine years old when he has his first opportunity to come back. And right. you know, coming back from, uh, coming back from, uh, coming coming back from Tommy John surgery is not never easy for anybody, too. I mean, it takes some time, you know. Rehab starts, and you know. Mm-hmm there's no guarantees he'd be ready for in, in you know, a, a 2021 season or 2022 season, um, you know, as, as a starter and it's a bummer cause you know, this very well might be the end of a hall of fame career, Justin Verlander. And I was just looking at some of his career accolades. He's a eight time all-star, mm-hmm. um, a world series champion from 2017 with the Astros, you know, it, all joking aside about the, the issue with the Astros, uh, in that season um you know justin verlander was a very good pitcher on that team he won the 2011 mvp a two-time cy young winner with two different teams obviously when he won the mvp with the tigers he was the cy young winner too uh and then last year he's the defending cy young winner he won the the pitching triple crown in 2011 Um, He's also a Rookie of the Year from 2006. Um, Mm -hmm. He is a 2017 ALCS MVP. Um, He is a – he's a a, a part of a – he's pitched three no-hitters, and he's a part of the 3,000 strikeout club. He has a 3,013 strikeouts, um, which, you know, I'm glad he got to 3,000 strikeouts before this happened because he was very close on on their um, career.
0: Career
1: three thirty
0: three ERA. He's almost pitched three thousand innings. He like sure has. He's two thousand nine hundred and eighty
1: eight.
0: He's twelve innings short. If you were I mean, I expect him to be able to come back and at least pitch twelve innings at whatever it is. But I hope so. To pitch that many innings, like in sixteen seasons, that is yep. a toll on your arm. And it this is really the first real time that we've seen him have Arm issues. Um, there yeah. was a couple years in Detroit where his velocity dipped a little bit. Yeah, um, he went on the DL
1: shoulder, shoulder yeah, issue was, a little bit. Yeah, like, it but it wasn't a I bad mean, one. But it was.
0: Yeah, he's always bounced back and been, you know, he, his highest was a 4.51. But if you look at that, everything else is outside of 2008. Everything else is mid-three ERAs. Um, oh yeah, I mean, ERA is not the greatest stat, but. <laughs> yeah that's what i'm know. saying it no no higher than a mid-three yeah. um he's a fantastic pitcher no matter what has happened in the last couple of years with the astros this is a guy you really hate to see something like yeah, this happen 72
1: to. 72 career wins above replacement i mean he's a guy that based on advanced metrics uh and and you know your old your old-fashioned statistics um you know, he's a guy that's going to be a surefire Hall of Famer. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking, I'm kind of talking like this is the end for him completely, which, you know, there's a good chance, like I say, there's a good chance he comes back and pitches, you know, at, at some form at, at age 39, but coming back, I don't think there's a, there's not a very long history of guys coming back at age 39 from Tommy John surgery and pitching very many more no. innings. Um,
0: and, and being like, fe- as effective as they were.
1: Right. Right. So you, you would hope you, if he came back, I mean, he was, you know, if he came back, you would have to, it, it would, it would be very surprising to me to see him come back and throw anywhere near what he has thrown for the last several years. because. um, yeah. But, I mean, this guy, like you said, durable. I mean, 2011, when he won that Triple Crown, 251 innings pitched. You know, in this day and age, that's rare. I mean, you don't see that very often. You see it from Never. a couple of the elite, elite guys, but you yeah. don't see it very often. I mean, last year, 223 innings. 2016, with his his last full season with the Tigers, 227 innings pitched. This is a guy that is just, you know, it's he, He's it a, he's a first
0: down. ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. First uh, Hall of Famer, no doubt. So. Um,
1: but, you know, like I say, you, you hope to see him be able to come back in some form. Um, eventually. It, but, you yeah. know, we'll see. So.
0: Well, let's um, get on to a little bit of a brighter um, sort of news. The New York Mets were actually agreed upon to be sold again um, to a guy named Steve Cohen. He is a hedge fund investor from Long Island. He was a part of the negotiations when the Dodgers were being sold. I want to say, was that 2011? I believe so. It was right around there. He was one of the people that were in the bidding uh, before the Magic Johnson-led Guggenheim group um, got them. Uh, And actually, he had agreed to buy the Mets in January for $2 billion dollars. And the deal ended up falling apart when the Saul Cats and Fred Wilpon, which the Wilpon family is the head over the New York Mets right now, pretty much said, like, at the last minute, tried to throw in a thing in the deal where they could keep team control for the next five seasons and pretty much have uh, Cohen give them the $2 million and then they can control the team for the next five seasons and do whatever they want with – him having some say, but not majority, say. And obviously, as you would expect when somebody's spending that much money, and that they said no, and he backed out of the deal. Uh, and then there was a lot of negotiations that happened, you know between a lot of other groups. There was a big group between um, Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez um, and some other uh, names that haven't been mentioned, but they they have been reported as bigger names, but no specifics. Uh, and then you have the whole pandemic deal. So it was actually just agreed upon again mm-hmm. for $2.4 billion now. And that is a deal that you would give Cohen 95% of the team. And the deal, the rest of the the logistics of the deal has been uh, requested to stay anonymous for now. But what it seems like is Katz and Wilpon, their partnership will, will still get 5% of the deal but that Cohen should get full team control as soon as it's approved, Um, and it has to get, I believe it's 23 out of the other 29 owners to agree to it. Um, It's been reported that a couple managers or a couple owners aren't in favor of this deal, but it's widely expected that the deal will go through. Um, But this deal does not include SNY, which is the Mets Broadcasting Network, um, the Wilpon and Katz families were were really hell bent on being able to keep that if they weren't being able to control the team for a while. Um, right. It's it's a lot along the deal of what uh, Frank McCourt did when they were selling it to Guggenheim Group uh, with the Dodgers. They he sold the Dodgers, um, but he didn't sell the Dodgers parking lot. Like <laughs> as, as weird as it may say, yeah. he wouldn't sell them the parking lot. He That's sold. the the field the stadium you know all that the team but whatever happened on the parking lot with the money and everything that would still go to him um it's not that way anymore but this is this is something really weird you know it with the second new york team they're always going to play little brother to the yankees um but the will ponds have have really ran that team into the ground they are a poorly ran franchise um and a lot of people are hoping that Cohen you know, being the financial mogul that he is will come in and really just kind of flip them upside down. And I don't know if, you know, it's really hard to rebuild in New York, but it's, it's going to have to start from the top down. It's
1: really, it's really strange. um, You know, when you, when you have, anytime you have an ownership change and I'm not, I'm not a huge expert on all this off the field stuff, like, like, you know, ownership changes and everything. I know that a lot of, a lot of Mets fans have been really frustrated with the will puns for a long time. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, in the in the way of picking out, you know, like like G- the GM, I, you know, I thought that Brody Van Wagenen, it, it was kind of weird uh, picking out an agent to be your GM. I, I mean, I, you know, it was definitely outside the box, and you know, sometimes if you're struggling, you have to do something outside the box to win, but um, I thought that was just a little bit weird. Um, I think that you know i don't know how much different it'll be with cohen you know i don't know if he is wanting to buy this team because he's a baseball fan and he likes baseball and wants to win or if it's more as a an, uh, an investment opportunity you know cause, cause that's a big difference you know a lot of times a team like like the braves ownership is liberty media who is more of an investment you know deal they, they wanted the braves to make themselves money and, and to grow their worth but you've got some places you know where you know, like like in uh, Washington, D.C. with the Nationals, where the ownership is more of doing it because they like, you know, they, they like baseball. Or maybe the best example in general in, in sports is probably Jerry Jones with the Cowboys is, you know, he's just a football fan who likes football and wants to run a team and wants to win. So it's hard to say which side of things. There, there's pros and cons to each side. And I don't know if this really will change the amount of payroll that the, the Mets have, but it might change some of the way that – you know and, that, and there might be some changes in the organization stuff like you know I would be I I would be I would be very cautious if I was Brody Van Wagenen right now with with a change in ownership because he has For not sure. done a spectacular job with with, with them no. and, and
0: you know Cohen, it, Cohen has been a a guy who's tried to invest in teams before like I said he was yeah he was the, he was the guy who was bidding right along with Guggenheim group he was I mean, if it wasn't them, it was going to be Cohen, um, and I, so for them, I mean, he's getting, he's from Long Island, so sort of the New York area, um, you know, to get the Mets, obviously you're never going to get the Yankees, but to get the Mets um, around there, he, from what he has said from the when we thought the deal went through the first time, I mean, it, it took a couple weeks for that deal to fall apart, um, so obviously he had made, you know, some comments, obviously couldn't make anything about it official, but... You know, he always talked about wanting to wanting to be successful in this and wanting to be a, a guy that would right. you know, turn this team around. And and he, I think he's just fed up with the Mets always playing little brother. I mean, like we said, they're going to because it's the Yankees. But if you can be successful and not losing and or not making the playoffs or or doing that, you know. He seems very motivated to turn this th- this this team around. So I, I if I was anybody in that organization, I would yeah. be fretting very lightly if this deal goes through, especially Brody Van Wagonen. Yeah, uh,
1: and and like and like I said before, I mean, it you know, if this is something that changes their payroll for the better, I would be. Very surprised. I would, I would. I would be a little bit surprised, but I think that's usually when when, a, when you have an ownership change, that's that's one of the biggest things that you see first is you know, are they going to want to increase payroll, or they want to spend, or they want to hit a bottom line when it comes to their their you know how much money they're able to make and in their investment. Are, are they more of a investor in the team that also wants to win, or are they a guy that's a fan that wants to win, but you that's, know if they make money, the it's problem. just icing on is the they- cake.
0: I think the Will Ponds because the, the oldest Will Pond is 83. Um, right. He's the one that was that really, when he first bought into the team at 5% stake in 1980, um, he's bought mm-hmm. the rest of it up from then. But the kids don't want to be a part of this. Um, they've yeah. been very vocal that they should sell for a long time. Um, so finally, now that the father's getting older, um, they were kind of getting at that, that time like you're talking about. They kind of were just looking at the line of what they could make money-wise. Uh, yeah. And Cohen, and Cohen do- very much doesn't sound like that. He looks, he sounds Uh-oh. like a guy who wants to win and win now. So they're right. not even going to be a team like I would say be patient for for Brody Van Wagenen or, or watch your step or right. something. They should be somebody for the entire major leagues that could make a deal like the Dodgers did when they got Adrian Gonzalez and Josh Beckett and Nick Punto and Carl Crawford and just be like, hey, you know what? We're here to win we're going to rebuild but at the same time we're going to win while we're trying to rebuild so we'll take on a lot of bad contracts right
1: yeah and it's something where and i agree with that but it's something where i think the uh it's got to be weird when it comes to this ownership change the mets do have a pretty high payroll right now um you know, and I, I don't know, uh, you know, what what can be afforded and everything. But I do know that if Will Pong is serious, I mean, if I, if Cohen is serious about coming in and making the Mets a, a winner again, which the Mets really weren't that far away, they were a lot of bad luck away. I mean, they had they had some really bad luck with injuries, you know, with guys like, you know, Noah Sindergaard hadn't been able to stay healthy. You know, Steven sure. Matz looked pretty bad. Yeah, well, that being this year, but just talking about the last several years, you know, they went to the World Series in 2015. And after that, they've just had injury riddled seasons. I mean, David Wright, that whole issue at the end of his career with his you know, back injuries and not being able to be, get healthy and Matt, uh, Harvey. Matt Harvey. And, and obviously, they're only the only guy that's been on the Mets for several years that has been able to stay healthy and be productive has been Jacob DeGrom. And he's just gotten better and better and better. But you know, you look at like Ioannis Cespedes, you know You know, he had the opt out this year, was really weird. But I mean, he's been injured for pretty much the entire time he's been there, and it was a guy that was extremely durable beforehand before he got to the to the uh, to the Mets. So it, it's one of those things where it's a little bit of bad luck. It's not all you know being run poorly, um, and and the, but the big thing being you know. They made have uh, made choices when it comes to p- picking up uh, general managers and stuff that weren't you know probably weren't great or or that the GM that they picked might have been a good candidate that just didn't work out. I mean that happens sometimes. Um, but uh, you know we'll we'll see what happens with uh, with the new ownership and you know I don't think it changes things. You know when it comes to like next year um, they might might boost their payroll just a little bit, but. Or, or 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 take their payroll down just a little bit. I mean, I think when you look at uh, the ownership change in Miami uh, from going from uh, Loria to uh, going to Derek Jeter's group, um, you know the, the payroll. Even though I, I think that Derek Jeter group was a team that uh, a group that wanted to win, like and win now and win as you know quick as they can. I don't, I don't think that's a group that's just looking to make extra money. Um, that I don't they, think they, they look at it, that, but that they group didn't have not enough.
0: Agree that group was not a group that wanted to come in and win now they said from the drop that they were going to do a uh, pretty much rebuild um, right
1: and, and, and win now is the wrong word i think that the big thing is more of caring about the product on the field and not just the dollar figure behind it like i think that's kind of like the Derek jeter group i think they want to win i think they're a team that it's a huge baseball or a group that's a that's big into baseball and actually wants to win rather than a group like like the Braves ownership at Liberty Media that is just in it for making a little extra money on the you know their investment so that's that's I think that's the difference there even though obviously I I, I think that the Derek Jeter group didn't really have enough money to do it and they barely scraped up enough money to be able to buy the team and then you know, they had to have the huge cut in their payroll for the team just because they didn't have enough money to pay the to, to pay what what they needed to. So um, that's one of those things where I, I don't think it's necessarily that the ownership doesn't want to win. Obviously, they had but they had to rebuild because they just couldn't afford to pay the contracts that were on the books. So. Um, I don't know how, how Cohen, Cohen will come in. And I mean, he, he's paying a lot of money to buy the team. I mean, $2 billion is $2.4 billion. It's a lot of money. So we'll see what, we'll see where it brings them. Um, obviously the Mets are a big time franchise. has great TV, TV deal with, with their network. They have a, um, you know, they, they bring in a lot of money and, and have a lot of a, a good fan base and, and everything. So that's important. That's very important. Um, so, um, you know, we'll see. Um, hopefully, yeah. um, you know, hopefully the Mets uh, uh, will be able to, uh, you know, we'll, hopefully, hopefully something something will change for for the for Mets fans at least. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah, they need a real turnaround of fortunes. Uh, that MLB is better when the the Mets and the Yankees are good, and these big market teams are better. They're yeah, MLB really thrives on brings that. In all, so.
1: Brings in a lot more, a lot more attention and, and, yeah. and everything.
0: So, well, we've already rambled on for way too long, so that's gonna wrap up our episode today. Um, thank you guys for all tuning in. Uh, be sure to check back next week for a full playoff breakdown and kind of preview, um, and we will get you guys all up to date on that. So you got anything? Any last finishing up you want to do?
1: Um. Yeah. I just wanted to just very quickly mention you know who, who my players of the week were gonna be uh we're not gonna be able to go into them really but i was gonna pick um uh, uh the uh, uh kyle Hendricks is my pitcher um he, he's had a really good week and he's a super consistent guy who's been around a while but he's he's had a great week and then um my hitter of the week was gonna be um uh uh, shoot, uh, it was going to be uh, Cole Calhoun for the diamondback six homers this week, and he's a guy that you know hit 435 this week, had a great week. But we're very, very, very briefly, because we're running over. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to have Chris Taylor from the Dodgers. He's been outf- outstanding Mashing. this week. Yep. And- uh, I've been this whole month really hitting like 330 with like 20, almost 30 RBIs. Um, J. A. Happ had a good start against the Red Sox, uh, eight shutout innings, struck out nine. Uh, just fantastic week for a guy who's really struggled the last couple of years. So, but like I said, we've rambled on for yep. way too long already. So that will wrap it up, and uh, we will see you guys next week.
1: Yep, thanks for thanks for tuning in, everybody, and you'll have a great week.